Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. So, since I'm standing, why don't you stand? All right, are you ready? That had to be the most anemic one yet. Wow. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. That's well, better. Okay. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. The Father loves me. The Father, loves me. The Father forgives me. The Father me. And the Father wants me. The Father wants me. I am His. I am his. And he is, mine. he is mine. Therefore, Therefore my, past my past won't haunt me. The future doesn't scare me. Doesn't because in His presence... Is where, I live. is where I live. All right, you may be seated. All right, how'd you like the new guy in Sunday school? Yay. Yeah, it's nice. Well done. It's nice to have some new people, isn't it? Oh, goodness. <clears throat> okay, well, we're going to start out sitting here and, and see where that... Oh, that's nice. We might, we might keep this. All right. Uh, we'll see. I am, I'm, I'm a wanderer, so we'll see how, how far I stay, how long I stay in this chair. Um, so we've been talking, obviously, about Colossians, uh, the preeminence of Christ in the church and the world and all of that. And uh, <clears throat> if, if you've ever noticed, if you're reading any of, of Paul's letters, um, you, you're probably not going to get out of Paul's letters, most of them. Um, without Paul coming and talking and dealing about uh, flesh and spirit. You're going to see that in just about all of his letters. Uh, he's going to, at some point in time, come and deal with, with that issue. <clears throat> and, and Colossians is, is no different. So we've talked about, um, you know, that we need to be uh, encouraged. And we've talked about, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, uh, strengthened in love uh, and, and all that. And, and then we've, we've come to um, chapter 2. We've talked about uh, the preeminence of, of Jesus even in uh, philosophy. And, and Paul has been dealing with something called the Colossian heresy. I don't, uh, he doesn't come right out and say what it is, but I think you get some ideas about what he talks about throughout the rest of Colossians of, of what's happening. Um, there's some uh, probably some, some, some new agey stuff that's going on, uh, maybe even some, some law stuff going on, uh, because he's really saying that it, it's not about the esoteric practices, which is the really strict self-discipline monk-like practices that are really going to do anything for you. Now, if you feel called to be an isolated monk, well, okay, I'm, I'm not going to say that you're not, but you're probably not. Um, there are a few people who are maybe called to live like that, but when you read the majority of the gospel, and, and, and not only that, but they live under those strict esoteric pra- di- Christian disciplines and practices, uh, very few people are really called to do that because it, it really kind of goes against the idea of, of, of the church and, and what we're called to be together. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, if, if we're living as, as monks and, and not getting out and not doing anything, but, you know, just waking up in the morning and, and doing our prayers and, and doing a few things here and then staying in our rooms in isolation. That's really counter to what um, the Bible is talking about. And so 
self-discipline is not a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying. We all need discipline. It's a fruit of the Spirit out of Galatians. We understand that. But some people, um, you know, the Essenes were, you would consider uh, people with strong practices that kept in isolation. Um, Or, on the other hand, if doing these things and thinking that it makes you a better person in the sense of your holiness, right? That doesn't work. Because uh, your holiness is not dependent on you. The holiness is dependent on Jesus. So he's, he's looking at these things and he's like, people are, are starting to drift back in maybe to this idea of, of you know, I'm going to live a real stringent and strict life to really make God happy. And that, that's not really the gospel. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to say never, but I'm going to say, you know, if we have nine billion people in the world, maybe three Okay, just being silly, but there, there's not very many people that are, are really called to that strict type of, of lifestyle that keeps you isolated outside of, you know, the body of, of Jesus. And with isolation, a lot of times comes the self-righteousness of thinking that you're the only one that's doing it right because you're doing all these extra discipline. And so Paul is, comes against that. And again, he's not against the discipline of the believer, but he's against these extra practices that people are doing that thinks that makes them think that they are, they are extra holy or getting extra credit points with God. That, that doesn't work. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> we need each other and we need to be in a body like this and we need to be checking in on each other. And I'm, I'm proud of this body because we do do that. But he also talks about, you know, in a lot of his letters, this, the spirit versus the flesh. And I wanted to share one thing in chapter 2. I, I think maybe I said this last week, but it, it bears repeating. In verse 6 um, of chapter 2, he says this, and then we're going to move on to, uh, to chapter 3, but this kind of sets it up. He says, now listen, as, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Let me ask you, how did you receive Jesus? By faith. So as you, re- as you have received Jesus, then continue to walk in that. So what does it say? As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So you, you received him by faith. Your walk is going to be the same thing. Your walk is going to be by faith. Now he would have this conversation with the uh, Galatians, right? When he would say to them, he said, hey, listen, you, you started off good in faith. What made you think you could complete it by works? right? Your, your continuance in Christ is always going to be about faith. It's always going to be about your faith. You're walking. You, you know, we, we have a down payment of the Holy Spirit, but uh, none of us have been to heaven, right? No. None of us have, have, have seen him in the fullness of who he is. Maybe, maybe you've caught a glimpse in a dream or a vision or something like that. If you are, you're lucky. I think very few people have. But, but my walk and my continuance with Christ is, all, is, 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 is in faith. I'm believing what he said he's going to do at the end of my life. I believe it because I'm convinced of it in my spirit. I received him that way. I'm continuing to, to mold my life around those premises that there is a purpose and calling for my life that he wants me to do. I believe that when I take my last breath here on <clears throat> earth, that it'll be my first breath in eternity with him and that I'll, I'll be there with him. So everything in my Christian walk 
revolves around faith. Faith doesn't end when I say I do. It begins when I say yes to him. Not only that, but my faith grows. My faith is almost as if it's this living organism, isn't it? It needs to be fed, doesn't it? Needs to be strengthened. Needs to be tested. And all those things happen as I continue down my walk and my journey in life that the end will leave the death of this life but the beginning of new life with him. But everything, every step that I take will be based upon what he has said. Just off what he has said. Faith, living by faith is not living mindlessly though. It's also often being mindful of those around me. Living by faith means that, that I'm, I'm living a transformed life, not just for the heck of it. I'm living a transformed life because I don't believe that he lived 2,000 years ago. I believe that he always has been and he always will be. I believe that he's eternal. I believe that he's true. I believe that what he says he will do. I believe that he, designed, he desires to, to receive glory to himself through my life. And that revolves itself around sacrificial service. So when I say yes to him, it's not that yes in a moment. It's yes for a lifetime. Now moving on, knowing that, In, in chapter 3, he says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where Christ is, who is your life, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's a promise there, isn't there? When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So there's a promise that my faith is based on. That when he appears, my life is going to appear with him. This is something that you can hold on to firmly. This is something that strengthens you in your faith now. To know that this isn't the only life you're going to live. We also see... Uh, in chapter, or excuse me, in verse 5, it says, Therefore put to death the members which are on earth, uh, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because the good things, <clears throat> because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked and lived. Okay. Let's stop there for a second. Well, no, let me continue on because uh, in verse 8, but now you yourselves are, are to put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed by knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but, all Christ, but Christ is all and in all. And then he says, uh, talks about the character of the new man coming up. So, 
there's something that happens when you become a believer, right? And this is what you're going to see in most of the letters that Paul is going to write, is that there is going to be a direct result, a direct change, a deposit in your uh, spirit, into your emotions that's going to bring about this idea of transformation into your life. Whereas before you knew Jesus, you used to act and do certain things. Now that you know him and his spirit is in you, there is what I like to call a God consciousness, the, the spirit of God that is in you as well too, that is now uh, immediately there are certain things that you no longer do because you are um, um, uh, convicted of them by the Holy Spirit. One of them for me was my mouth uh, was swearing. That just kind of stopped. That was kind of like an easy one for me. Uh, swearing stopped. And I could swear pretty good. I mean, I wasn't the best in the world, but I was top gunning for the top shop spot. <clears throat> and so, um, but that, that kind of went away. There were other things in my life, though, as we talked about before, that uh, were, were walking out in a process <clears throat> that God was showing me. <coughs> Excuse me. And so when you read about these things that he's talking about here, um, about lying to one another and putting on the new man and getting rid of anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language and all those different kinds of things, these are contrary to the new man. And so there are things that are of the new man, right? Which is love, peace, joy, all these different kinds. How we react to one another changes, right? You're now in a body and so now if... if, if Danny does something that I don't like. I don't go after that like I did with when I was a young kid and I let my anger get a hold of me or something like that. You know, how, how I respond to people uh, lets me know the level of maturity and how, and how, how deep my faith has grown, right? So I'm, I'm no longer living in anger. I'm living in love. There should be benchmarks in your faith that, that tell you how you are doing. Um, <clears throat> and... Uh, some of the things we, I want to talk about today is, is we have to be careful because um, there is a difference between the culture of the world and the culture of the kingdom. And the culture of the kingdom is based off uh, is of, of what you see Paul talking a lot of times about the new man and the spirit or the flesh versus the spirit and those types of things. Excuse me. <clears throat> Uh, what, we, what we want to know is, what we want to be sure we know is within ourselves is that the new man is growing and, and working. We should not be dealing with things about of gossip and lying and all those things, the things that we used to do and we used to do well. Those should be going by the wayside and not happening. And, and the new man, truthfulness and love and peace and all of that should be growing in abundance. And if there's been a stagnation in our life and there's a lack of growth, well, there's no such thing as really staying in one place. There's either progression or regression. <clears throat> there's no time where I'm, I'm going to be fine, I'm going to stay right here while, uh, for a while and, and not grow. There's always growth, there's always movement forward, forward in the kingdom. It may not always be leaps and bounds, but it, it, there should be a steady growth. And if I've stopped growing, then it's almost the same as if I'm regressing backwards. And the problem is, um, is that's not the way it is supposed to be. There is a difference between the culture of the world and the culture of the kingdom. And when I was in Africa, you know, the biggest, the biggest problem they have is this right here. As, as missionaries, now listen, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. I might even get in trouble from our own missionaries if they watch. I don't know. 
But there's been a movement in, in the mission world that I don't like. And this movement in the mission world has, has been so respectful of another nation's culture that we have not taught well the culture of the kingdom. And where there's a difference between the culture of your world and the culture of your kingdom, it is the culture of the world that must change, not the culture of the kingdom. And too many times I've heard this idea of, of and don't get me wrong, I'm not against respecting people and respecting cultures. I'm not against that. But as people tend to get after the states for not preaching, you know, the true gospel and being soft, we've gotten soft in our missiology by not challenging the cultures that we've been sent to and really preaching and teaching a kingdom culture and what that means. And so in Africa, the biggest fight that, we, that I've noticed is, is, is in the church. It is not on the continent and the culture of the continent. It's in, it's in the church. Because the church has adopted the culture of Africa, not the culture of the kingdom. And if, if, you adopt the, if a church in Africa adopts the culture of the kingdom, and a church in Morrison adopts the culture of the kingdom, do you realize it's going to be the same? It, it, it really is. Uh, he said, well, well, their music will be different. <laughs> Whatever. But the attitudes that people have are going to be the same. How the church functions, how it grows, you're going to see something very similar happen. You're going to see sister churches because they've both really locked on to the idea of, of this idea of a kingdom culture and what that means instead of letting the culture of the world invade the church. And America has done that. I mean, my goodness, some of our church... Um, services in, in different places are, are more like um, TV shows, the Dick Van Dyke show, right? You have to write the script every Sunday. It's got to be perfect. It's got to be awesome. It's got to be about everything. It's got to be just perfect. And, and I'm all about atmosphere, but atmosphere cannot be built by human hands. Just like God's temples is not something he dwells in that's made by human hands anymore. Atmosphere is developed by, by the kingdom of the culture that is in the, peop- the heart of the people. I can get a smoke machine and a live band and make you feel like you're in the presence of God, people. We can do that. And you can leave here feeling better, but not changed. I can do it. Sometimes I've been tempted. Maybe we'll get some more younger people in by the fake Shekinah glory. I'd rather have the real stuff. I'd rather have the real stuff. But because we have trained people in the church that uh, the culture of the church is not nearly important as making people feel comfortable so they'll stay. We don't challenge them with, with the word sin. We don't challenge them with different things. We give them just enough of a bite of, out of the Bible where they can claim on their taxes that they gave at church. <laughs> just enough to make them kind of feel good about themselves. But if it was as strong as, as everybody's saying it was, do you, do you not think that there'd be a change in the culture of a nation if the church was in the culture of the kingdom? 
Would not bars and places like that where people are going because they have no other place to go be shutting down because the church is so on fire with the culture of the kingdom and the person of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit that things would be changing on the earth a little? Would not revival be sweeping the nation in a powerful move if the church were on fire for the presence of Almighty God? And not concerned about feeling good. Hey, maybe I'll sit down more often. Maybe. Maybe. It doesn't take, it doesn't take, listen, it was 120 people in the upper room that shook up the entire world. It doesn't take many. You ever notice that that um, uh, 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 God let Abraham refine him all the way down into five men, five people, something like that, five or ten people, not to dest- five righteous people if you can find them in Sodom and Gomorrah and I won't destroy it. Because he doesn't need much to start a revival. Not very many people up in the upper room. and So he, he, doesn't, he doesn't need millions and millions of people he, he just needs a few, and then it'll affect millions and millions and millions of people. So our goal then is, is, is to allow the kingdom of God to infect us. Allow the kingdom of God to change us. So what are the things that I am working on in my life to make sure that my life lines up with his word? My life lines up to, to be... Um, ready and willing to receive more. I'm tested every day over these things. You're tested every day over these things. He says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and blameless. Well, first of all, so Africa is struggling in the church because they have patented their church after us. So you remember when we were in there in 2016 and when we were, the, the church that we were go to and we were asking how's the church doing and there's a, there's, there was a bishop, his name was uh, uh, Silas, Bishop Silas was his name, rock solid man of God, discipling people, rock solid man of God. And, uh, but he was a bishop over this church and we were asking how the church is going. It's like, well, it, it's tough because all they know to do is what they see on TBN. Which not everything on TBN is good. <clears throat> and so they'll, they'll get up and they'll go through the motions of, of what they see and what they observe, but they're not, they don't know their, the word of God. They don't know. And so they will get up and they will dance around and they will do all this stuff that they see sometimes pastors do on TBN or whatever church that they're watching from the States and they'll mimic that, but there's no life of the Spirit within that. And so a lot of times what you'll see is you'll see a whole lot of lying and um, you'll see a lot of um, immorality and sexual immorality and sometimes in the pulpit. Do you realize that excuse me, that in um, the culture uh, that I was just in, 
in Africa back in uh, October is that when a man goes and travels, even church guys, that when they go and travel and they, they stay at another town or, or maybe they're um, being shown hospitality by someone, they culturally, they're allowed to sleep with that man's wife. Or they can go out and, and find somebody else to sleep with because, well, their wife's at home. Who am I going to sleep with? She didn't come with me, right? So there's a culture problem that is this happening there that has invaded the church because no one is teaching them about the personal sanctified life of how you live after you receive Christ. And, and we would sit there and we'd say, man, that seems like that should just be evident, right? You know, you just, it's in the words, right? You read the words, you, you don't sleep with somebody who's not your wife. But, but what I hear is like, but this is our culture. Well, and because you may be weak in your missionology, you're not challenging that culture. Say, so, yeah, but that's not the kingdom. You want to be a church? Then you got to be a kingdom-minded church. You got to be you got to be a word-based church. You've got to change, allow God to change you immediately and progressively throughout your life. There are some things that that need to quit immediately for the sake of of the kingdom, right? I remember I was having a conversation with somebody and, and we were having a, a disagreement. And uh, it broke our fellowship. But it broke our fellowship over this very thing. Kingdom culture versus world culture. <clears throat> and we were having this conversation. Unfortunately, we were having this conversation over email because that's the only way we could do it. <coughs> and this conversation, well, well ended up finally got down and it said uh, this person said well this is the culture that I live in and and this is why this happened and I said maybe the culture where you're living but it's not the culture of the kingdom and you should have recognized that it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing to me how people do not want to be confronted with the word of God when they're wrong. And it's saddened. And if, if I'm wrong, if I start teaching that marriage is just a good idea, you know, vows are not really as important as they used to be, you can confront me with the word. If I start teaching things that are wrong, I, I hope... God, that there are strong people in here who would stand up and say, Steve, that's not what the word of God says. That, that's, that's not right. And I would hope that I would bend my heart and my, my head to what the truth is. I, I, I want my heart to be pliable. You cannot be on a platform ministry. Listen to me. <clears throat> you cannot be on a platform ministry. You cannot be in leadership if you are not teachable. 
Being teachable never stops. Learning never stops. Growing never stops. And if you think that once you begin to be a leader, that now you start commanding and no longer start learning, you're absolutely wrong and you've missed the whole heart of what it means to be in leadership and ministry in the kingdom of God. Growing never stops. I, let me tell you what I think about what I do with myself. I realize that I am a human being. I realize that I can be as fragile as anybody else out there. I purposely, I, I, I do this purposely. I try to seek and be hum, a humble person, truly. I'm not just saying, I'm really trying to be humble, people. Uh, it's not a fake humility. The goal of my life is to understand that I do not know half as much as what I do know, and the other half is probably wrong. So, and I do that because I believe in, in trying to say, keep my heart humble. I, I don't want pride to get in. I don't want hardness. I don't want to ever think that um, I got to drag you people along. I really got to make sure, you know, I, I don't believe that at all. There's a lot of good God-loving people who have been in the Word of God for a long time. There's a lot of knowledge, biblical knowledge in this church. And when I look at myself and in, in, in reading the Bible, and, and I think about teaching you the Bible, or, or you ask me to be your pastor and, and do these things, I, I walk in that with humility. I agonize over this. I agonize every week over what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. I do. <clears throat> and, and not a, a false humility. There are times I'm like, God, man, why, why am I doing this? And the only thing I got is because he told me to. And it, trust me, it, it, and I'm not looking on myself in a bad way. Because okay, some people are like, um, maybe it's insecurity or what, and they use it as a reason to really bring themselves down. I, I'm not bringing myself down because I have a bad opinion of myself. It's, it's just trying to walk in godly humility and know that there before the grace of God, the people that I minister to who are in very like dire shapes, there go I, right? And so I try, I try to allow love to rule the day. And I'm not always successful. Sometimes I'm chippy. But I, I try to allow this book, these words, these living words, to rule inside of me so that, that as I go forth in life that I may not be disqualified in what I do, Right? And I'm not perfect. None of us are, but we're on a path. We're on the path of pursuing them. So this character of, of the new man that he's talking about, in, in, in 13, you see that we're bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anybody has complained against another, even so as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. So... This stuff is repeated over and over and over again throughout the many different letters. It is the language of the Bible about what it means to live a transformed life. Do you think that since it's repeated in almost every one of Paul's letters, that's important? Do you think that when Jesus is down with Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3 and they're having this conversation and Jesus starts talking about you must be born again, Do you think that that's somewhat important? Or do you think it's trivial enough to where, well, I just, I said a prayer 
I'll see him when I die, and I'll just not live a bad life, but just live a selfish life. See, part of the thing that's in the churches is not just that there's people who are living totally contrary to the Word of God, where it's, if the Word of God says, don't sleep around with another man's wife, well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Not. The half of this that's scary is that maybe people really don't know that the one thing we struggle most with is being selfish and not living a true life of sacrifice and service to each other and then to others outside. I was reading the other day and I really loved it when Jesus started talking. He's like, hey guys, when you come and follow me, right? When you come and follow me, remember, and you're dealing with these other people, guys, remember your boundaries. Wait, he didn't say that, did he? Now listen, I may tick some people off. And I understand what we say when we talk about boundaries. But the problem is, is that we've taken the word boundaries and we've used it as a reason to actually to remain selfish. So I can't do, can't go out tonight. Boundaries. Family. Boundaries. I think that's exactly what Peter said. Lord, I will follow you, you know, boundary-wise. <laughs> no. I remember reading, you know, the, the call of being a disciple was all about make sure you take care of yourself first. Wait, 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 wait. No, that wasn't in there, was it? See, everything about the gospel, and I know, I know, you're getting a little nervous right now. I'm not asking you to be dumb. Okay? There's... There is only so much you can do. You're, you're, you, you're not required for the whole world, okay? The whole world is not on your shoulders. The whole world is on his shoulders. You got a corner of it. Do your corner. The problem is, is we're using boundaries to not even do our own little parts that he's called us to do. And we're living selfishly so that, well, I'll do just what I want to do instead of what I'm called to do. Because what I'm called to do requires sacrifice and service. What I want to do usually doesn't. And so, we've, we've created terminology that we recognize and we accept that sometimes keeps us selfish instead of selfless. I just want you to think about that in your own life and do some self-reflection on that. Asking the Lord, say, hey, Lord, um, Steve was preaching and, you know, God, Steve, yeah. Um, but there's some things he said about boundaries. There's some things he said about the Christian life. And Lord, I want to know, truly, I say my prayers but, but uh, every uh, day, Lord, but maybe I don't give you a whole lot of talking time. Maybe I'm always asking about stuff. But Father, let's open the floor. Are there things, God, that you need to speak to me, that, 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 that you want to change a little bit? Not that, not that he's mad, not that he's done that lightning bolt, he's not ready to strike you down, it's not that kind of stuff, but open up the conversation with the Lord and say, hey, listen, I've been doing this Christian thing for a long time, and I, 
what would you like, Father? Is there, I've been asking a lot for myself, and I have been praying for other people, but Lord, are there things you want to change? Direction? Thoughts? Heart things? Things I need to let go of? Things I need to pick up? Do I need to do better serving? And do I need to go, Lord, Lord, my life is yours, and if I'm your disciple, then, then I'll go where you call me to go. And so part of my prayer life has to be, Father, what do you want to change? What needs to change? What would you like to change? If we're good, we're good. I'll, I'll keep going, but my life is yours, and, and you're the Lord of it, and so you can do with it what you want. I think if you start focusing our, our prayers and including some of that with it, maybe you'll start to feel more of God breaking into our prayer life in an exciting way to bring revelation. And what we tend to find out is that that's the thing we have been waiting for for so long. Part of drawing near to him is, is laying down everything of who I am and saying, you can change it all if you want. You want me to go and be a box boy at Sullivan's? God, I'll do it. Whatever. You want me to, you want to change something in me? God, I'll stop telling you how hard it is to change. And I'll rely on your power to do it. Don't offer him up excuses of why I can't do stuff. But give him an open heart and said, Lord, this may be hard for me, but if it's what you want, you'll also give me the strength to do it. Stop using words like boundaries to keep me from going deeper with him. Now remember what I said. Remember what I said. I'm not saying, don't, don't leave here and say that and, and, and be silly. God, God did not give you the entire world. It's not on your shoulders. So don't start going crazy by thinking, I got so much to do, taking the world's cares on, on your shoulders. That's not what I'm saying. You got a corner of it. You got a part of it. He's asked, he's given you only what he, he's, he hasn't given you what he holds. He's given you what he wants you to do. Okay? So part of living outside of boundaries is doing stuff that you were never told or given thing that to do. Sometimes we get so stressed and we get so heavy and we say we're doing so much is because we're doing the wrong things. See, his burden, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So if you don't, if you got a hard yoke and a heavy burden, you're doing the wrong things. Let me say that again. If you got a hard yoke and a heavy burden, you're doing the wrong things because what he has given you to do is going to be accomplished and it's going to be fulfilling. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But there's going to be a sense of fulfillment because when you're in the yoke of the Lord, there's a partnership that's happening. There's a work rhythm that you're into. You ever had that? Like at, at your work, like all of a sudden, man, you know, I, when I used to work at Jack's and we were unloading truck or boxes and you're just in a rhythm, right? Throwing stuff out. And you're like, dude, I'm just, I feel like an octopus. I'm going crazy. All this stuff's getting done. And you're in a great work rhythm or stuff like that. Imagine that happening in your relationship with the Lord. 
to where you're so tender to his little steering on the yoke. Right? Now he's going to do that with things in your heart. He's going to do that with things in your life and he's tender with them. But he's going to do that with the purpose and direction as well too. And here's the thing you, you have to understand. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's what? He's good. All the time. He is good. And he can be trusted with everything of you. Okay? All right, let's stand. Father, I I thank you for... um, you're steering us. You're guiding us. Father, I, I hope that words made sense today. I pray, Lord, that, um, that I know that you're speaking to heart, the hearts of people in this church. I know, Lord, you are. I pray, God, that we would be a church that's just humble before you, God, and we just want what you want, Lord. <clears throat> Whatever it is you desire, Lord, we want to do, we want to fulfill. I pray, God, that um, we would be selfless in our service to you, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that we would trust that wherever you direct us, it's not going to bleed us dry, but it's going to keep us full and going. And we never really, Lord, have to worry about boundaries when we're in the center of your will. So keep us there, I pray. Help us to understand when it's time to rest and when it's time to work. We pray these things right now in Jesus' name and we ask, God, that where there is struggle in the body, that, Father, you would, you would be there. That where there's weakness, you would make strong. That where we do feel strong, we would be humble. And that, God, we would always keep you at the forefront of everything we do to bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife@aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.